Hello once again, all of you wonderful listeners in our community. Welcome back to the Treat Addiction Save Lives podcast. I am Zach Caruso. I'm your host, and I appreciate you hanging out here for another episode. Um, we are really excited that you stopped by. So uh, I can't wait to share this episode with you. I got a chance to spend a little time talking with Dr. Kristen Martin, who is just such a positive force in the world of addiction medicine. She's always got a smile to share with you and talking to her. You can just feel how passionate she is about addiction care and ensuring that patients are treated with empathy and compassion um, and that they're you know, being cared for in a, a comprehensive and holistic way. And really, look no further than River Valley Medical Wellness in Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is a medical practice that uh, Dr. Martin founded, which focuses on comprehensive care for families in all stages of life, and that care includes mental health and addiction care. So a little about Dr. Martin. She graduated from Oklahoma State University Center for Health Sciences and is trained as a doctor of osteopathy. Uh, she completed her family medicine residency through the University of Arkansas Medical Sciences at Jefferson Regional Medical Center in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And she now serves as a board member for AFMC, that's Arkansas Foundation for Medical Care, as well as the Arkansas Osteopathic Medical Association. Um, Dr. Martin also has adjunct faculty appointments at the Arkansas College of Osteopathic Medicine and the DeBus College of Osteopathic Medicine at Lincoln Memorial University. She's the president of the Arkansas Society of Addiction Medicine. And in 2022, she was presented with the George Bean D.O. Memorial Outstanding Physician Award by the Arkansas Osteopathic Medical Association. Goodness, are you impressed yet? I certainly am. Uh, anyway, that's enough of me talking. Let's get into today's conversation with Dr. Kristen Martin really, I think, like to start by asking you um, just why addiction medicine, right? Like of all the fields that you could be involved in and that you could specialize in, what was it that led you specifically to the field of addiction medicine? You know, whenever I got started in addiction medicine, it really wasn't anything I ever planned for. Um, I think it found me. Um, it's kind of ironic, starting back in the early 2000s, when I went to medical school, I'd actually um, first started doing a master's research project and chose an advisor to do research with that was doing opioid receptor research. Okay. And I chose him not so much because I was trying to change the universe of opioids, um, but because he was a Peace Corps guy, I thought he was really fascinating, loved learning from him. And I was at the same point in time whenever there was the big push uh, for pain being the fifth vital sign. Um, we were looking for an opioid receptor that um, was novel, um, that there could possibly be a drug created for that would um, be as effective as morphine, but not as addictive. But um, I had no idea at that point in time when I was doing my research, because I really wanted to practice medicine. I didn't want to be in a lab. I didn't you know, want to do that. I really loved um, taking care of people. Fast forward 15 years, I've, I've gone through family practice residency. I actually, um, living in a rural state, we're very much involved a lot of times as far as emergency medicine. And, and I've chosen a path of really becoming an ER doctor and ER medical director um, for a fairly good-sized emergency room. And, you know, with my process and that, I would see patients come in frequently um, that we were really trying to focus on how can we how can we do a better job why are we seeing them every Friday why are we seeing them um, repeatedly and and could we do a better job at helping to take care of them um, from an efficiency standpoint or even as in emergency rooms mental health beds are your longest holds right um, 
And I would see them and I'd say, you know, we need to have, we need to look into this. And I started to find that some of these patients were also the patients that were involved in a local child advocacy center where traumatized children and families. Um, and then I would see them again whenever they would be patients that might be referred over from one of the local treatment centers. And I just thought, man, there's got to be a better way, a better way to do this, right? And at that point in time, it was really kind of probably selfish in that I wanted my ER to run better. I wanted it to be more efficient. And I saw these different things with the patients where I was like, why Why is there no consistency in their care? Why is there not a better option uh, for how they're treated? And so I um, had a conversation with one, the local treatment centers, um, and they said, you know, you seem to know a lot about this when we drop these patients off that are in withdrawals or things like that. And so they offered for me to come over and I started to become more and more fascinated in watching some of my patients that I had seen come in repeatedly, but then I wouldn't see them. Like they would disappear for some time. And um, it's sad to say we would start looking in the papers and the obituaries. We would say, you know, has something happened to them? Like, what's going on? Um, and they would pop back up in the ER, and I would not even recognize them because they would be doing so well. Oh, wow. Yeah, and whenever I was trained in medical school, it was still very much the abstinence-based approach to addiction. Um, you go to AA meetings, you quit. It was much more of a moral issue than it was... Um, a mental health or a disease concept as much. And so whenever I would see them, I would actually take time to talk to them and say, you know, what have you been doing? Like, you look amazing. I didn't recognize you. You're not here for yourself today. You're with a family member. You're trying to help out. You know, mom has chest pain or something like that. And I would sit and actually take a little time interviewing them kind of and say, you know, what, what are you doing? How'd you do it, girl? You know, it's kind of like when somebody loses 20 pounds and you say, girl, how'd you do that? Or, um, and they would share with me their experience and they'd say, do you, do you really want to know? Well, um, I've found somebody that does medication assisted treatment and, and I've been on some boxone or buprenorphine or they would share their story of recovery with me. And it made me realize, um, first then that, um, Hey, you know, maybe there's something more to this. I had been, MAT trained for a long time, but worked in an emergency room had never really had the capabilities to provide um, the services that the X waiver required at that time. Then we we go to 2020. Uh, so, I so I was watching it and I was seeing what people were doing in it and I became more open, right? I became more open to the idea of just not abstinence-based treatment. Didn't really still have any understanding of addiction medicine as a career or anything else like that. Um, then 2020 hit and I was COVID and um, working in the emergency rooms. I worked every single day for a year and a half in a different emergency room in the state of Arkansas. And while there was a COVID crisis going on, there was also an economic crisis and there was all these different things. And what we would see is that I saw more cases of mental health and more cases of overdoses than I did actual cases of COVID for the first year and a half of the COVID crisis. That's incredible. And as an ER team, we sat and looked at it and I said, we are missing the boat. 
we are absolutely missing the underlying crisis that is going on. And I got kind of tired of being always at the end of that, always being the reactionary portion of that. Um, I got tired of having to call parents and tell them that their son or daughter had died from something that I thought was preventable or treatable. Um, and so we decided whenever several of the treatment centers closed down and resources were limited that as ER providers, we kind of were, we kind of took a badge of honor being on the front lines. And I said, you know, the front lines for the opioid crisis and for the addiction crisis is not in the emergency room. We are mistaken. The real front line is in our community. And so we decided to step out of the ERs, create an organization that could help to and take care of these people and try to get them solutions before they ever had to make it to an emergency room in crisis. That's absolutely incredible. And you've already, you talked about how you would sit with patients and talk to them, talk to them about their journey uh, through recovery. And I would love to hear, cause you have this holistic approach to addiction treatment and recovery. And I'd love to hear kind of how you came to where you are now, you know, the approach that you have and, and what it took compiling over time to, to create what you have. We've heard other providers say that sometimes the end goal is just not using the substance and they don't really look at what goes on in the, in the person's life holistically. Um, you know, how do you feel that that kind of integrates into what you do? And, uh, you know, how do you think that that can transform not only people, but communities? Sure. So, I'm very much one of those people that believes that, you know, mind, body, and spirit all really work together. Mm -hmm. We can treat one symptom or one thing, but when we do, we either don't get the results that we were hoping for, right? Um, Or we don't get results as quickly. Um, To me, the disease of addiction really affects the entire person, right? right? Um, And it really doesn't matter what specialty you're in. We will see these effects. Um, I was talking to a GI doctor the other day that said, you know, I don't talk to people about addiction. It doesn't it doesn't affect my patients. And I was like, how many EGDs have you had to do on somebody who had alcoholic gastritis, right? Um, I think part of uh, what I realized from my family practice days and um, in looking at it is that we can treat the substances, right? We can treat the addiction, but there's so much of the time there were so many people that hadn't had healthcare for years or they have other co-occurring illnesses that unless we take an active role in helping to treat those as well, we'll only get part of the solution. For me, doing integrated care where we do primary care, mental health, and addiction medicine all together allows for us to really treat that whole person. And For me, having people come in and when you come into our clinic, no one knows why you're there. They don't know whether you're coming in to get a vaccination. They don't know whether you're coming to get an x-ray or a mental health appointment, or maybe you're coming in for your opioid use disorder. Uh, When you walk in our doors, um, because we do integrated care, you can come in for any of those reasons and you don't have to worry about being stigmatized. You don't have to be um, judged we're worried about what others will think. And so many times those areas of our lives occur at different moments. Um, somebody may not have a use disorder today, but there may be a crisis happening. There may be something that changes for them. 
um, that suddenly they had to have a surgery and had to have um, pain medications and had no idea that they would ever have an issue. Um, maybe they have a family member that die and they start treating it with alcohol. Um, when you have a holistic system already built in, then they're never afraid to come and talk to you about it or to be able to work and identify that because you built a safe environment for them to, to receive that treatment. Um, I think additionally, just being in a rural state, the people's access to resources are such that um, when you have to wait three to six months to be able to get in with a mental health provider, that um, when you can walk in today and say, you know, I'm, I'm here for my annual checkup. Oh, and by the way, I'm having lots of anxiety and, you know, whatever else, then um, we're able to say, hey, you know what? That's great. We've got a, a licensed mental health provider down the hall. Let's do a quick introduction. We can immediately assess somebody or help them if they're in crisis. And if not, and they can wait until an appointment later on in the week or next week, then we immediately make that uh, available to them. And it cuts down on all the, the referral processes and um, gets people real solutions now. You had mentioned it when you were just talking about integrated care, but I'm I'm curious because speaking about these, uh, you're creating these safe spaces for for people to come in and get the treatment they need. You mentioned stigma, um, and I want to ask you about stigma. In your experience, um, how do you feel that stigma surrounding addiction affects not only the patients that need the care, but also the physicians? Because we've heard from from both sides of it um, that there is a lot that's still you know, a lot of stigma that still exists. So, what's been your experience with that? So that is a great question. I better understand my patients after I experienced my own stigmatization when I told people, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to get boarded in addiction medicine. I think I'm going to open this clinic that helps all of these patients and all those um, folks in crisis and um, gives out Narcan and and um, I received um, a lot of stigma, um, was the brunt of that from some of my closest friends that worked in healthcare and otherwise. Um, some of them said, why, why, are you, why are you ruining your career? Why are you ruining your reputation? Why do you need to do this? You've done such amazing things other places. And, and it was really astonishing. Um, but I just felt absolutely like it was the thing for me to do um and even when i was going into the emergency rooms and had started on this and i and i would tell people um hey you know what i'm going to talk to this person we know that they have a methamphetamine use disorder i'm going to take a little bit of time and i'm going to see if by sitting down and just talking with them if they would like to to hear some different options or um learn about possibly a different way of life than what they're experiencing. Um, and I got a lot of pushback from people that said, why are you taking time to do that? Um, why do you think that is? It's, but even from your peers, why do you think that there still is that stigma even from your colleagues in, the, in your circle of colleagues as well? Well, so over months, people would share with me. I, I walked into the emergency room one time and, and I was like, what's everybody doing? They're having a little huddle. I said, what's everybody doing? And they said, well, we're having our own Al-Anon meeting. And I said, I kind of chuckled, right, to myself. 
And it was the same group of people that had one of the times had been very stigmatizing about um, and critical about my um, going into addiction medicine. And what they revealed was when you started talking about this and you wanted to take time to treat people and give them options in the emergency rooms, it brought up a lot of anger and resentment and fear or disappointment that they had experienced in their own lives um, with a husband, with a parent. Um, it might remind them of some trauma that they had in the past. And so over time, they were willing to share that and realize that other people that they worked with also shared that feeling and said that they were not alone. Um, and it really opened up some great conversations of the disease of addiction affects everyone in their lives somewhere. Maybe not personally with their disease, but maybe a family member, a friend, a colleague that they work with. And so I think by, I won't say not backing down, but being comfortable with myself to say, I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. And it's okay if everybody doesn't understand me. Um, it really started those conversations rolling where we were allowed to then open up and say, wow, you know, it'd be support for people. Um, now when they have a family member with a crisis or something, they'll call and say, hey, 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 can you, hey, my, my little brother's having troubles. Can you help us out? I'm like, absolutely. Um, and that's when we get real solutions is when we talk honestly about the problems that people are facing, whether it's our patients, friends, family. Um, that's the only way we can get solutions is when there's honest conversation about what the problems are. And how do we get there, Dr. Martin? How can, how do you think that the medical community can kind of start to break down that barrier of stigma, uh, for the patients and for the physicians as well? You know, I think part of it is, um, listening, actually listening to our patients, asking questions. You know, when I first started on this, I, despite the fact I had been an opioid researcher long ago, I, I didn't know all the answers. I was still in that abstinence-based um, mindset whenever I first started to have somebody open my mind. And, and it wasn't another doctor that did that. It was a patient who did that, that said, hey, I've had nine months of stability. Hey, for the first time in my life, I've op uh, owned a car and I've gotten a job. Um, the transformation that I saw was the proof in the pudding. And, you know, when we're in med school, they train us all the time, you know, take time to ask, listen. 90% of your diagnosis will come from your history and physical. And too much in modern day medicine, we get pushed away from that to push in more patients, to meet certain metrics and things like that. Whenever most of the answers will come from our patients. And by listening to them and doing that, um, that's a huge first step. And then just taking a little time to become acquainted with local resources. I don't have to know everything about a certain area of medicine, right? But even having a few resources that I can help provide a patient, um, a family member is a start. Um, knowing maybe knowing who to call uh, is those are those are all different um, starts to that. And 
again, when we think that it doesn't affect our specialty, it doesn't affect our practice. I've heard from people before, I don't have any patients in my practice like that. That's what I've heard from a lot of doctors. And I'm like, then you aren't asking the right questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, just listening to you, I know you must have so many amazing stories, but I'm wondering if you've got one or two that stand out in your mind uh, about a patient and the road to recovery that you were involved in that, that, uh, you know, stays with you even today. Yes. I think every week brings um, amazing patients and stories. I will say that as far as I never knew when I started addiction medicine, that it would transform my life the way it does. Um, Anytime I get tired and feel overworked, then, you know, there's a patient that comes in that inspires me or shares with me that gives me all that energy I need for the week. But I think a couple, one in particular that I had recently was somebody that um, was coming into our clinic, um, was really excited, shared that he had seven years of recovery, um, was getting his job back as an engineer, was getting his children back. And I was, you know, talking with him and congratulating him and saying, man, that's, that's really great. And he said, you don't remember me, do you? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I know you from the clinic. And he was seeing one of my other providers. And he said, no. He's like, you saved me seven years ago in the emergency room. You're the one that gave me the Narcan. You talked with me then, tried to give me some different options. And he said, you told me, don't give up until a miracle happens. And he said, I still had a couple of relapses after that where he was still struggling with it, but he said, knowing that somebody wasn't scolding me, telling me all the negatives, but was trying to give me a point of hope to hold on to. He was like, that made the difference that that he knew that somebody cared. And I thought, man, he remembers that after all of these years and how blessed that I feel um, that I got, I get to kind of share that experience with him and he would remember. And I tell patients all the time, they'll say, Oh yeah, you, you know, you saved my life this time. And I say, I, I did not save your life. You were the one saving your life. I just happened to be a touch point along the way that, um, just a touch point that helps to guide you in the process. Um, to me, being able to have the opportunity, whether in emergency medicine, family practice, addiction medicine, whatever, um, to have people come to us in their greatest time of need and be willing to share their vulnerabilities, their trauma, um, and ask us for help, that to me is the greatest honor, right? So That's incredible. And I know that you... Um you feel strongly about educating the medical community uh, about addiction. Uh, you can tell how passionate you are. Um, what would you What would you say? What are some parting words of wisdom that you would share with not only uh, maybe your peers in the medical community, but also like the younger generation, the next generation of healthcare providers and professionals that are that are coming into this field? Well, again, I think part of it is um, not judging. Um, you know, put your stigma aside. What you think um, addiction looks like, mental health disease, what your preconceived notions are, um, will prove you wrong again and again if you don't have an open mind. Um, Addiction 
it hits all, all races, all economic status, all um, areas of the country, and it is an enormous problem. It's not just the opioid addiction that we hear about so many fatalities. I mean, it comes in lots of various forms. And um, when you make yourself approachable um, and to listen to your patients, you will get that opportunity to help serve them. We, we want to save lives. Most of us say, why would you go into medicine? Oh, I want to save lives. Um, what an amazing, award, rewarding area of medicine that can do exactly that whenever we prepare ourselves. And do we all have to be experts on addiction medicine? No. But knowing what the resources are locally, um, being open to those conversations is, to me, some of the most important part. And that's, that's what my patients share. Um, it is going to take all of us. It is going to take all of us to help to overcome this. One or two people cannot do it alone. Um, and so remembering that each time that you work with a patient, whether you're an OBGYN, an ER doctor, a gastroenterologist, a, neuro a neurologist, in any of those areas, pediatricians, each of those touch points that you have with somebody, maybe one of those times that you make a difference in how they deal with their substance use disorder or other crises that they have. And so being, um, being aware of the effect that you can have is important. Um, we all need everybody to be involved in order to, to help um, to over, overcome and to solve this crisis. Well, Dr. Martin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been really great talking with you today. I hope we can have you back on again soon. Thank you. What a cool journey. Loved having Dr. Martin on. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you did, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends, you know, share it with your besties. We are going to make sure to link to the website for uh, River Valley Medical Wellness in our show notes. So, you know, those of you in, in the Hot Springs, Arkansas area can get connected with Dr. Martin. Um, if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, we want you to know that you're not alone. Treatment is available and recovery is possible. Visit the link in our show notes to access patient resources like our physician directory, patient and family support groups, and much more. And that is all I got for you guys today. So I'm out of here. Thanks for listening. And until the next episode, you know what to do. Treat addiction, save lives. Be well, and I'll see you next time.